Hello, and welcome to episode four of Conflict in Bob's Burgers. This episode, we are going to be talking about conflict management styles. Now, Carmen, have you heard the term conflict management styles before? Um, no, like maybe, maybe, like what do you, like, I'm pretty sure we talked about it when we went to dinner. Um, no, I, I may have mentioned it briefly, but I... it is something that I had not heard of until I actually took this class. Uh-huh. And when I tell you that it was like such a light bulb moment for me, it was the moment that I knew that if nothing else, like this was worth the tuition, just learning conflict management styles. Oh. So I'm really excited to talk to you about this. Great. Anytime we enter into a conflict, we are aware, either consciously or subconsciously, of our goals and our needs and then our like, I don't want to say opponent, but like the other person's goals and needs. And this is a little different from like actually talking about interests and goals. This is talking about awareness and how we go about treating those interests and goals. Okay, so I just sent you a chart that kind of looks like it's on an XY axis. And on the X axis, it is labeled importance of relationship. And on the Y axis, it's labeled importance of achieving goal. And both of them go from low to high. And the very like bottom left corner where importance of relationship and importance of achieving goal is, is the avoidant conflict style. This is the conflict style. It's pretty much what it says on the label. It's when somebody enters a conflict and they just don't want to deal with it. The importance of the relationship is just not enough to want to engage in a meaningful way and the importance of achieving goals is also really low like you are okay with not being active about achieving goals okay now this is not to say that like somebody who is in a long-term committed relationship can't be avoidant because like you know oh they just don't care about the relationship it's more that it is easier for them to deal with conflict if they are just not facing it at all. When, when we talk about conflict styles, they are all equally valid. They all have their own place. And sometimes being avoidant is actually a really good thing. When, for example, you are engaging with somebody who is just really, really passionate about conflict mm-hmm. and like really likes to start shit, being avoidant can actually just kind of make that conflict fizzle out. You know, if you can recognize that the other person is like just trying to poke the bee's nest just to see what would happen. Being avoidant is actually ideal in that case because, you know, you don't want to actually cause something. On the bottom right of the chart is accommodating. Mm -hmm. This one is actually, I I am primarily an accommodating person. I tend to recognize that trying to get my own way in conflict tends to cause more hurt feelings for both myself and the other person than I feel is worth putting energy into. So I have a tendency personally to like listen out what the other person says and be like, you know what? Okay, like is my own 
personal goal or are my personal goals in this situation worth more than my relationship with you? And I can usually do the mental gymnastics to say like, no, it's not. (laughs) Yeah, me too. I am like that too. Yep. And let me tell you something. When we in my class took a quiz to see like who was what kind of primary conflict style, most people are actually fairly accommodating. Mm -hmm. Like most of the other groups had like two to three, maybe four people in them. And then there was the accommodating group and there were like seven of us. Yeah. So this is something that I think a lot of people really resonate with. Just, you know, is it, is it worth, is it worth it? No, I can hear this person out and help them get through their feelings. Yeah. And I mean, I also think if it, if it's easier for me to drop it than it is for them to drop it, then why wouldn't I drop it? (laughs) You know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it can feel a little demeaning, you know, where it's like, "Mm, I just need the the other person to work through their big kid feelings. Right. Yeah. But (laughs) like, it it just, it, it feels like it's worth it in the end. Right. Yes. It feels like it. So now we're going to go to the exact opposite of accommodating which is where importance of achieving goals is really high, but the importance of maintaining the relationship tends to be a little bit lower. And that is competing. And these are the people who are poking that bee's nest, right? They are just poking and poking and poking, and they are like, I want to see what happens, and I want something to happen. And it's not always like these are the people that are always starting conflict. That's not necessarily how it always goes. But they are the people that when they get into it, they are like, no, listen, like if I'm here, I'm going to make sure that I get out on top. And again, just kind of like avoiding and accommodating. It's not that this is necessarily bad. Competing can be really good in certain situations. It can be good, for example, in a workplace environment. If you feel like you know more about a topic or a project than a coworker or even your boss, it can be really useful to be like, you know what? I don't know how strong my bridges are with these people. I think I can afford to just like, just tor- torch those bridges just a little bit mm-hmm. <laughs> in order to get my own goals. <laughs> right? Right. And we all know somebody like that. And we all like want that person on our team, especially for those of us that are accommodating, because I know that we can really feel like, you know what? We can smooth things over afterwards. Yeah. That's okay. Like that person can go ahead and like actually get things done. We can just sit back and and sweep things up afterwards. Yeah. In the middle we have compromise. And this is actually what most people think of as like a good balance of everything. And I'm sure that you've seen that there is a secret fifth one on the chart here and we'll get to it, but we'll, we'll talk about compromise first. It's pretty much exactly the dictionary definition of what compromise is, right? Both people's win and give up something. And it's not always the most satisfying, but it is generally very useful in situations where maybe you have nothing but competing types or you have nothing but avoidant types and you like have to try and draw out a resolution to conflict. Compromise is really good when it comes to ending conflict that just does not have any other way to end otherwise. But secret fifth one, (laughs) and I'm really hoping that you 
think of the exact same quote that I did when I first heard about collaborating. It is a win-win situation. And when I first saw that, I was like, oh, no, this is so dumb. But I thought of Michael Scott. Yeah, we watched that whole clip in, in high school. Yeah, win, win, win. <laughs> win, win, win. <laughs> the office doesn't do a really good job of defining what collaborating is. And understandable, it is a sitcom. It is funnier when Michael Scott doesn't understand what collaborating is. But it's basically when you actually do figure out what everybody's needs are and try to reach everybody's goals as best as possible. Again, this can't always be done. Sometimes people are just unwilling to recognize what their actual needs are, you know? Uh This is kind of going back to interests and goals. Sometimes it seems to be like face-saving goals, but really it's relational goals. If the person can't talk about their relational goals and they're like, no, it's this thing instead, then it's really hard to collaborate. But when everybody is on the same page about how to actually deal with it, then you can successfully collaborate and we get the win, win, win situation. Now, this is all based off of what the textbook has said, but I did actually find some other really interesting articles about conflict management styles, especially when it comes to families. There was one study that I read that I think is actually really, really applicable to the episode that we're going to talk about called Adolescence Conflict Management Styles with Mothers. And this paper sought to find out like how teen mother dynamics manifest in conflict. And what they found out was that supportive parenting was actually positively related to increases in adolescence's positive problem solving over time. This is not too much of a surprise. If you have a supportive parent, you can deal with problems in a healthy way. Yeah. Um, And these findings are in line with previous research showing that parental support correlates with relatedness, negotiation, and adequate problem solving during conflicts. So it's not just like dealing with those big feelings in a good way, but like these teens actually learn really useful, applicable skills, Mm -hmm. problem solving, negotiation, having empathy for other people. Another study called Longitudinal Transmission of Conflict Management Styles Across Interparental and Adolescent Relationships. Fun nighttime reading. Yeah says that adolescence's use of positive problem solving and conflict engagement in relationships with parents positively predicted their use of these respective styles in relationships with friends and romantic partners. These results suggest that adolescents transmit internal relationship models and conflict management skills learned based on experiences with their parents to their relationships with friends and romantic partners. This is all just a really long, fancy way of saying, hey, you practice your conflict styles with your parents. And what you do with them is usually going to translate into future relationships with like romantic partners and with friends and even with like extended family members. And again, this is all like, okay, yeah, this makes sense. And it's not something that's too surprising. There was one other study that I found that was actually kind of surprising to me. 
and that I think, again, really applies to the episode that we're going to talk about. And it's called Conflict Management Style Asymmetry in Short-Term Project Groups. Now, a short-term project group is something like, I don't know, you're working on a semester-long project with somebody in your class, or you've got a project going on at work that is, you know, maybe takes a couple of weeks to do. But sometimes families can be short-term project groups when you're planning a vacation. That is a short-term project or like a family reunion, or maybe you're doing like a big family dinner. Like these are short-term projects and conflict can come up in those really, really easily, especially when we're talking about like emotion with them. And what this paper found is that differences in conflict management style may start a discussion whereby group members assess alternatives, make a choice, and implement that choice. The selected and implemented strategy is then likely to be a collective choice, which I thought was really interesting because, like, I thought personally that the ideal conflict style makeup of a group would be, like, is that everybody is collaborating or compromising. But this paper actually specifically says that people who are competing that work with like avoidant or accommodating people, um, as long as there's a little bit of asymmetry there, there is actually more room for discussion and you get better results. Interesting. When you have people who are like that. So bearing that in mind, what episode are we talking about? Fight at the not okay Chorel. We don't have to summarize this exhaustively. The important points to cover are that Linda, the episode begins with Linda getting a call from her mother that makes her feel like she's not really doing enough like for her kids, enough um, responsibility, enough discipline. She gets kind of self-conscious about that. And then Louise, the youngest child, has an incident at school with a teacher where she feels very small and very bossed around and not super in charge of her own life and her own time and how she wants to spend it. Um, And so this comes together when Linda decides to give all the kids more chores and they are like, okay, are you going to pay us more? Like, what's going to happen? Why? And she's like, no, I'm just, just do more chores. And they're all, and I mean, I, I'm pretty sure Tina and Jean are kind of ambivalent about it. They're like, okay, but Lu- Louise is like, no, <laughs> I'm not doing that. And it, they launch into one of the Bob's Burgers classic um, metaphorical stories that aren't really a metaphor. All the, Everyone knows who all the characters are. Everyone <laughs> knows that the, the marriage sheriffs are based off of <laughs> Linda and Bob and... Anyway, it comes to a head near the end of the episode when through much conflict and fighting and a, 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 a shooting, a shootout, you know, a shootout almost happens <laughs> in this little imaginary story. And Linda and Louise come together and find out that they were both pushing back or they were both advocating for their side because of, not because of the chores really, but because of something that they experienced outside of it. And they explain that to each other and it begins to make much more sense. Louise says, it's hard to be a little person just bossed around by big people all the time. And Linda says, I am worried that you kids are, I'm not doing right by you, that you're going to grow up to be delinquents because you weren't disciplined enough or you didn't have enough responsibility. And in the classic Bob's Burgers sense, um, understanding is reached. <laughs> and not just Bob's Burgers, but like 
a general sitcom, like you've got to have a, you know, satisfactory wrap up at the end there. So I wanted to choose this episode because I feel like all five of the characters have some sort of different conflict style that we can identify throughout this episode. The first one, kind of going back to the top of the list here, is avoidant. And I think by default, Jean is usually very avoidant in most conflicts that Mm. the family has. And it's not that he doesn't care, because he is also invested in not doing chores. Mm -hmm. He he also brings up like, oh, like, are we going to be compensated for this? Yes. For doing more choice. But when it comes down to it, once Linda says like, no, you just need to do it so that you can be better well-rounded people. He's like, oh, okay. (laughs) And he doesn't push back. Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't want to push back. He also just doesn't really I mean, he doesn't even really side with Louise in a meaningful way. He's more just there to be part of the conflict because he is one of the kids, right? Yeah. So he can't not be part of it. But he also wants to avoid it as much as he can. Now, I have always identified the most with Tina out of all of the characters because (laughs) who, which, who of us millennial woman does not identify with Tina in some meaningful way. Seriously. And a lot of it is that she does tend to have a very accommodating conflict style and not just in this episode, but kind of throughout the series, unless it's something that she is like, really really truly passionate about she has a tendency to just like okay go along with louise's plans Mm -hmm. and she is very easily swayed one way or the other and a lot of it is that she does have a high investment in her personal relationships and she doesn't really want to lose those I'm kind of thinking specifically about, do you remember the episode where the the bully is introduced? Oh my gosh, what's her name? Tammy. Tammy, yeah. And Tina just like goes along with all of Tammy's delinquencies. And she's not a delinquent person, but she just really wants to be like this model of accepting a new girl into school. Mm-hmm. And so her own personal goals... Uh, which in this case would be like saving her own personal face. Like she is a good student. She is a good daughter. Uh, Takes a backseat to the importance of her relationships, both with Tammy and with her crush, Jimmy Jr. And we see that same thing in this episode where she understands that there is something to be gained. Like she can gain something from this conflict Uh, as the kid who is under threat of getting more chores Mm -hmm. but she's also not really going to fight too hard for it she's more going to like support louise throughout this this conflict competing i think we can easily just call that it is louise and for a lot of the episode also linda louise she is just very single-minded when it comes to her goals she knows what she wants, and she will do what she can to get it. Yes. And most of her conflicts are handled this way, where she spends a lot of time and energy problem-solving how to achieve those goals. 
without much regard to uh, the people who are around her. And we see that in this episode as she is kind of the one to push back against Linda the most when Linda brings up doing more chores. She is the one that says, fine, if you're going to try to make us do more chores, then we're not going to eat our vegetables and we're not going to go to bed on time and we're not going to brush our teeth. And she doesn't really think much about how much she has roped Tina and Jean into this. Uh Like the importance of her relationship with them kind of takes a backseat to her achieving the goal of not taking on more chores. So I don't know. Do do you agree with me so far? Yes, indeed I do. And it's funny you say I do. I I do relate to Tina a lot. Um, But I, I, I watched the Christmas episode just barely and I think I relate most to Louise, but we can get back to that later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to talk about that. Because it is it is very much a reversal of normal normal conflict styles. Yes. But yeah, we'll we'll talk about that next episode. This leaves us with collaborating and compromise mm-hmm. and with Linda and Bob. And I think that they both kind of fit into both of those pretty well like they are the parents so they have the power to be able to like force compromises but they also place a high importance on their actual relationship with their kids yeah theirs is a very kind and loving relationship and the whole point of this episode is that linda is not normally the kind of person to just decide that she needs to do this because her mom says that she needs to she is very easily impressionable yeah but not usually by her mother and not usually when it comes to parenting no she's she's pretty she's got it pretty in the bag you know even when she's like kind of a hot dumpster fire she's still got it in the bag (laughs) (laughs) the best joke in the entire episode is actually brought up first in the middle of the episode where Bob turns to Linda and he says, I don't know, what if we like offered them candy to do chores? And this is a very compromising point of view, right? Yeah. Like, listen, we know from throughout the series, like they are not a particularly wealthy family. Buying candy for the kids is probably actually going to be a monetary strain, but it is also something that like he is willing to give up in order to kind of reach a conclusion to this uh, this conflict. The same suggestion then becomes collaborating at the end when he brings it up again and the kids are like, oh yeah, no, I will absolutely do more chores for candy. Yes. And I think it's just really wonderful because like sometimes, and this is just kind of wrapping up the episode here, Sometimes it turns out that, like, we tend to overcomplicate a lot of conflict. Yeah. And just hearing out the other person, making suggestions as to, like, hey, maybe we can fulfill other interesting goals, uh, or we can try and figure out, like, is this actually what you want, or do you want something else? Uh-huh. Will get us there. Yeah, yeah, I could, I could stand to remember that for sure. It's always, yeah. So that is our episode on conflict styles. 
this is our penultimate episode. The next one is going to be just wrapping it all up and kind of taking these concepts that we've talked about and applying them to my personal favorite episode of the entire series. Hmm. It just came out like at the end of last year or at the beginning of this year. Um, I have actually been watching to see like what kind of awards it's going to win because there's no way that it's not winning awards. Yeah, it's it amazing. It has made me cry. Yeah, it made me cry too. So... Because I was Louise in that po- at that point. Like, I just, it's good stuff, man. Okay. We'll find out what episode that is on the next one and the final episode of Bob's Burgers and Conflict. Bye. Yeah.